So, Nikita. Yes? What is behind your curtain today? Well, let's see. behind my curtain is learning how to manage my business evolving. Mm. Um, My business has come to a point where I have, as as a content marketer and a a ghostwriter and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? Right. Right. I've been in the habit for the last four years. People come to me and say, Nikita, I need help with my content. Will you write it for me? Right. And, um, and I'm very happy to, to do that. But what I have found as my business has evolved and as I have observed the needs of my target market and the, <clears throat> the things they're able to do and the things they're not able to do when they're able to hire me and when they can't hire me, right. I've started to see the gaps, I guess, mm, you know, in my business and where I see the opportunity now, which is actually how my find your muse program was born. Yeah. Um, is I'm seeing opportunities now, not just to do the work for people, right. but to teach them how to do it themselves. Nice. So it's kind of like teach them how to fish, you know, right. that kind of that, right, that right. philosophy. Um, and I have found it is very, um, has been a very enriching process for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny. I've, I've had this conversation with my coach and it, it is showing me as a professional I almost feel like it validates my knowledge because I'm able to teach other people what I do. Does that, that make sense? No, it really does because once you have enough knowledge that you can turn around and teach someone else, mm-hmm. you're right. You've, you've reached a, a, a higher level of, of knowledge or learning. But it's also very intimidating at the yeah. same time. So, oh. you know, starting starting Find Your Muse this this year, which is my um, four-month accelerated writing program, has been very exciting. But I will tell you, going into it mm-hmm. um with with these people um on in this little small group it was i felt very intimidated in the mm. beginning because i feel like i have a responsibility to deliver gotcha to, they are expecting something from me yeah. am i going to be able to to meet their expectations and at the same at the same time, I have expectations of them because mm-hmm. it's very much a give-take relationship, the mm-hmm. way this program is developed. But, yeah, it was it was because I, I think any time you go into new territory, uncharted waters, you always – it's one of the things I think we deal with as, as, as individuals, as professionals, as humans, is mm-hmm. that we – Whenever we go into something new, even if it's a, even if it's familiar to us in terms of being our field, right? We question ourselves. That's true. You know, it's like, can I do this? Do I do I know enough to do this? You know, and we've talked about that even with people when when they write their own books, like when they ask themselves, you know, you know, am I qualified to do this? Right. And, and right. I think that's something that we deal with as professionals. I think so too. I was going to ask you if something um, struck me as interesting when you were talking and saying, I feel like I have to, a responsibility to deliver. Mm -hmm. And um, at first I was going to ask you, well, um, 
how's that different from how your normal job goes? But then I think you kind of answered it by saying it's because it's something new. Yeah. Is that correct? I or? agree. I mean, when I first started my business and I got my first client, I had that that same butterfly feeling. Yeah. Um, because, and it was an excitement and it was an intimidation at the same time because writing is my passion and I love it. Right. And I'm, and I'm thinking, you know, someone's actually going to pay me to do this. Yeah. And then once you actually do it, then there's that when there's that nervousness. You feel like, Oh my God, is it good enough? Is it good enough? Right. Um, and then you realize I'm good enough. It's good enough. Yeah. Um, and I'm sad to say it's not the validation you get that builds your confidence. Isn't internal. Right. Um, it's external. It's hearing it from, and I hate to say that cause I'm, I'm, I'm the biggest proponent of believing yourself know right. that you are a badass. You can right. do your thing. Yeah. But it, my confidence and my abilities grew as more people, more clients came and said, Nikita's really great at what she does. You should hire her. That's Did you true. feel that way? I do feel that way. I think you're right. I think, I think especially in the beginning, like you said, when you have the butterflies and you're first starting, you have to have that self-confidence. But then when it becomes <clears throat> reflected or mirrored back to you in the good comments that you're receiving saying, wow, Nikita, you're awesome. You know, or, yeah. or, Oh, you taught me something or I never saw things that way. All of a sudden you are getting that, that validation. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily that that's um, like the source of your confidence. If right. that makes sense, but right. it's more, I don't, I don't know. Almost like a litmus test. Like, hey, yeah, how am I doing? <laughs> right. Exactly. It, yeah. it, it, it definitely gives you as a new business owner, for sure. Mm -hmm. I think when you start getting feedback from the people that you're working with, yeah. it gives you that confidence that like, okay, I'm in the, I'm in the right lane. I'm yeah. doing what I should be doing. Yeah, most definitely. So what so, about you? What's behind your curtain? Awesome. Um, wow. Gosh, there's a, there's a lot been happening behind the curtain. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Um, one of the things I think it, and this is a continual challenge, but is time management mm. and, and also, um, add into that, um, self care. So yeah. I realize about myself because I absolutely am loving what I'm doing that I could just work myself until I pass out. <laughs> yeah. And that's not healthy. But, but I get so excited about it, like especially if I'm working on someone's book or, you know, I'm, I'm helping with a project or I'm doing something, I can just lose myself for hours and then it, it, it's not very healthy. It, it's like my family, my friends, all those things are extremely important to me. Yeah. And so finding that, that sweet spot, that balance between okay, I'm, I need to take a break. This is, you know, all I can do for today. I need to, need to get up and walk around. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so Balance I don't know if that ever happens to you where you get super involved. Absolutely. I, you know, and a, a friend of mine gave me some really great advice a couple of years ago and mm. talked about how it's important that you have balance because otherwise you'll burn yourself out even yeah. doing what you love. Yeah. And so one of the things, and we're both married Yeah. and um, I'm, I'm sorry for, for the male listeners out there, but you know, sometimes guys can be a little needy. Yes. And like, um, 
what about me? You need to hang out with me. So, which of course, of course we should. They're our husbands. And so, um, one of the challenges I ran into when I first started my business is Derek would be like, um, Hey, I'm still here. You need to make time for me. Right. And so I had to learn how to, okay, how am I going to, how can I do it all? Right. And, um, one of, one of my friends gave me some really good advice in saying, you know, organize your time and, you know, it's okay to give yourself that time off just to be able to spend with families, your family. So I looked at his schedule and I looked at my schedule and I kind of carved out when I knew we had the mutual time to get off. So like Saturdays, Saturdays are sacred. Like I don't do business on Saturday unless it's like dire emergency. Right. Um, because that is, that's, that's 100% Derek's day. Right. He doesn't share that day with anybody else. Right. Um, and then the rest of the week is like, you know, and I mean, I know it's just one day, but I mean, we still spend time together throughout the week, but I I wanted to make sure that as an entrepreneur, we tend, we work all the time. So So true. So I wanted to carve out that one little bit of time. So that's, you know. Awesome. I like that. Yeah. I'm going to carve out some Jerry time. Just some Jerry time. <laughs> he would appreciate it. He will definitely appreciate <laughs> it. Very cool. Awesome. <laughs>So Kim, I am really excited about our topic today. Me too. Um, I I think it's something that a lot of people wonder about and um, have a lot of questions about. And I think, um, I don't think there's enough discussion about it to keep people well informed. Um, Absolutely. So so today we're talking about um, the the pros and cons behind traditional publishing. Yes. Um, And... uh, we're not going to be completely biased. Both of us are definitely more uh, pro self-publishing. True. Um, and, and I think as we go through this, you'll see why. Um, but there's really no, <clears throat> there's no right or wrong way to pursue how you want to be published. I think the most important thing we want to establish with you today is that if you want to go the route of traditional publishing, that's not wrong. It's, it's completely okay, but it's very important for you to know exactly what you're getting into um, and go into that process with your wide, eyes wide open so that you don't feel like you are um, getting steamrolled if things don't go the way you plan them to. Exactly. That's a really good way to put it. And um, while I'm thinking about it, and we won't go in depth with it, but yeah. we should say traditional publishing um, is... When you um, go with one of the quote-unquote big publishers, let's say like Simon & Schuster or mm-hmm. Penguin or Random House, and it's traditionally published by one of the big uh, publishing houses. Well, and it's not even always the big guys. Oh, that's um, true. Because, so let's, I think it I think it would be helpful to walk people through what the process looks like. Yeah, um, good idea. Um, just to kind of, so you understand it, and especially if it's something that you're considering. Right. So um, one of the first things that I was always taught if I was looking to, to go the route of traditional publishing is always to buy a, buy a copy of Writer's Market. Mm. I think every writer um, <laughs> yep. at some point in their life has had a copy <laughs> of Writer's Market. They come out every year, mm-hmm. um, and they um, typically have 
every publisher in the States Mm -hmm. in there from your big publishers to your small publishers. It's a very insightful book to, to, to have as a reference, especially if you're looking to go that route. Um, it has other things in it other than just publishers. Um, Mm -hmm. there's a lot, there's a lot of good information in writer's market, but if you are looking to go to the traditional publisher route, that's one of the first things I suggest because it's a really good reference. And if you don't want to buy it, you can always find it at the library. Local oh, libraries yeah. have copies of it. Um, so you could go and check it out. It's usually in the reference section in the library. So if you want to go check out the, the latest copy of Writer's Market, you can sit down and look at, I mean, in hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of publishers from your big random house to your local small publisher. True. But... What you need to understand is even with the small guys, Mm -hmm. they all have a very specific process and procedure that you need to follow um, to be able to get seen. And even the small guys often see hundreds of thousands of writers every year. Um, So you're still a needle in the haystack. So don't think that if you decide, oh, well, I'm going to go with a traditional publisher, but I'm going to go with a small publisher. Don't think that that's going to curb your process to be shorter. Um, right. Or guarantee that you'll be published versus versus going another route. Yeah. So so I want to establish that first. Um, one of the things that's really valuable, I think, about Writer's Market is it gives you a lot of in, as you read through the different publishers, it gives you insight about each of the publishers. <coughs> Excuse me. It tells you what type of um, genres each of the publishers take. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're looking to write a, a, a nonfiction book, you can know which one of the publishers Focus more on nonfiction versus fiction. Right. Um, it tells you what their um, uh, their uh, procedure is re- regarding receiving new manuscripts. Mm-hmm. It also even tells you whether or not they accept um, first time authors because some publishers mm-hmm. don't even work with first time authors, mm-hmm. um, and some publishers require that you have a literary agent, and some don't. True. Um, so. To me, if you're even going down the route starting this process, Mm -hmm. I feel like you need to do your homework, and I think that's a great place to start. That is smart. That is a really good point. So thank you for sharing that. Yes, of course. Um, I I remember doing it myself like um, years ago, but you know, before I started my business, and 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 because I've always written, I started writing when I was. Um, 13 and I actually remember doing this research even when I was a teenager because my mom was like you're really good at writing I think you should consider writing cool. and um, and everyone said you need to get a literary agent and I was too young to understand what that meant ah, okay. um, and so as I got older mm-hmm. and started to research the process it's when I became really familiar with writer's market and that became kind of my best friend and learning how to research the process awesome yeah so um so that that is the first process I would say before you even consider traditional publishing. I guess the next question that you want to would want to ask is, you know, why would you consider? You know, what is one of the reasons why you would consider tra- traditional publishing, and what are some of the good reasons why you would go that route? Absolutely, that's a really good point. So I would say the first point would be um, the prestige. Mm-hmm. That's something that you hear about a lot. Um, when you talk to someone and say, oh, you know, I'm looking, uh, somebody's going to publish my book, almost inevitably somebody will ask, well, who's publishing you? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, um, you know, the, 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 the traditional publishers have that um, either the reputation or they have the, um, I guess, the allure. Can we say allure? We can say allure. <laughs> of, um, of uh, you know, being an established um 
you know, publishing house. Yeah. Um, like some of the ones I was mentioning before, Simon and Schuster, oh, yeah. Random House. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. You know, they're, they're well known. They've been in most cases Harper around Collins. for. Oh yeah, Harper Collins. Exactly, that's big, a good one. They're known. They're, they're known entities, names. and so yeah, and they're big names for a reason. You know, they've been around for a long time. They're if you go to um, um, any bookstore. And you're just curious about, you know, who published it, you know, flip to the ISBN page, to the title page and see, and and you'll see some of the the same um, publishing names over and over again. Yeah. And they do have prestige and they have a lot of the prestigious authors as well. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of your big names um, are uh, published through traditional publishing companies. Absolutely. So Um, I think another reason, another reason why, traditional publishing is very attractive is, um, these large publishing houses. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm not leaving out the small guys either right. because they still fall into the route the, the category of traditional publishing. They have big budgets. Yeah. Um, and, uh, what you'll learn as you venture into the world of publishing, as you venture into the world of, of book writing and book marketing is at the end of the day, what makes a book climb the charts into being a bestseller um it's not how good it is it's how good the marketing is behind it true um and you know we can be the biggest book stops we want to be and say well it should be the best book well some <laughs> of the best books aren't that they what makes a book a bestseller has nothing to do with the quality behind the book absolutely true um and i think a lot of people don't realize that yeah um now a lot of bestseller books are fantastic books yeah um but what makes a book a bestseller is the genius of the marketing that's behind it and usually that's a lot of money absolutely so true and um and you'll see it um well gosh again if you go to bookstores or yeah. um you know in, in some cases even in like magazines you'll see mm-hmm. you know advertisements for books those cost money as y'all know <laughs> right well why don't, you tell, why don't you tell the story about your client when the one that oh you... my goodness yeah so i have a wonderful client she's she's just terrific but she didn't know a whole lot about publishing and that's okay she was first time mm-hmm. author and so she looked at me in all sincerity and she's like well, Kim, when am I going on Good Morning America? And I was like, <laughs> uh, like she meant the national show. And I was yeah. like, oh, honey, I don't have that kind of pull. I don't have that kind of budget. Right. If I did, I'd be on Good Morning America. Right. <laughs> and, you know, I said that to her not to, to discourage her because obviously, you know, I never, ever want to squash anyone's dreams. Sure. But being realistic, I'm like, I, I don't have those connections yet. Right. Of course. <laughs> of course. So, Absolutely. Yeah. It, it's a big deal. And, and plus two, um, the, well, we're talking about the, the pros of, of traditional publishing. I was yeah. going to say one of the, the cons that's kind of built into that big budget is they want to continue making money. And oh, so yeah. because of that, um, they are going to look really hard at, well, if we market this book, is it going to make a lot of money? You know, yeah. if they have a Stephen King, then hello, he's obviously got a huge platform. He's got a huge following. He's, you know, automatically going to sell a ton of books. Right. 
if they take a chance on someone who's a new or relatively new author, they're going to look at their platform. How many people, um, you know, currently support you? Do you have a huge following on, let's say, social media? Or do you have your own TV show? You know, things like that. Which means if you, with, with, with all the tools and things you have available to you now with things like social media, it means as an author, if you are looking to go the traditional publishing route, you have to meet them halfway. Yes, that's a you've got to do the point. work yeah. um, because if you want to get recognized by them for them to even consider you, you've got to do some work. Absolutely, you've got to have your name out there. You know what it kind of reminds me of now What's that I think that? about? Have you ever watched Shark Tank? Yes, I, I love, love Shark Tank. I love Shark Tank. It's one of my favorite shows. But if you ever watch the the questions that the sharks ask, yeah, when these new so people will come here and they have these really great ideas. But one of the first questions the sharks always ask is, "How much money are you making with this? Right. How many sales have you already made?" So they're not looking for somebody that's coming in that just has a concept and said, "This is what I envision." Right. They do want you to have a vision for it to be bigger because that's why they're investing. But if you come in with something that doesn't have a strong if you haven't proven that you've made this this idea work right they will not support you and I think publishers are the same way you are so right and that can even be true on a on a more um smaller level too because I have a client um and we've been trying to set up a book signing for her at Barnes and Noble Mm -hmm. and so I was meeting with the folks there and this is not like the execs at Barnes and Noble this is like Barnes and Noble street right but they were saying even on that level they're like well, as long as your author is willing to talk to people, as long as your author can guarantee that she'll bring in X number of people, then mm-hmm. we'd be willing because they won't just set up a table. I, I'm guessing they've had, they must have set up a table for an author who is so shy she wouldn't say anything to anybody. Oh, wow. And I guess they probably got burned by that and didn't sell many books. So it, it works on many different levels, but I Absolutely. think you bring up a, a really, really good point. So very cool. Awesome. So, I think one of the things I want to tie into what we just talked about with the budget and um, in, in terms of the cons with um, traditional publishers is mm-hmm. distribution because yes. that ties very much into, we did, we're already talking about being in bookstores. Right. Um, I'm not saying that outside of traditional publishing that you can't get distribution, but they have the relationships with your Barnes and Nobles exactly. and these big book sellers, sellers already. So, um, if, if you have this vision of being able to see your book in print sitting in, in Barnes and Noble, mm-hmm. um, that's one of the advantages that these, these, um, the larger traditional publishers have. Oh, most definitely those connections and, um, and, uh, those relationships. Yeah. It, it's huge. And absolutely. I mean, gosh, you know, they've, they've literally built their business on it to the point where they can tell the book sellers, Oh, you know, I keep using Stephen King, but Stephen King's next, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Stephen King's next book is coming out in October, let's say. Mm -hmm. And so they can build a whole campaign around that. Mm -hmm. And, and they have those connections to, to get the booksellers excited and, and, you know, anticipating that. And because that, you know, to, to shed, shed a little bit of light and kind of how somewhat how this process works, because the, the big publishers have these, um, have these, um, uh, relationships with the the uh, Barnes and Nobles and your and your bookstores mm-hmm. with like using someone like a, like a Stephen King for example mm-hmm. and Barnes and Noble knows that Stephen King has a book coming out they're going to already order so many advanced copies to put on their shelf correct um, and so that's a, 
for the publisher, that's a very attractive deal. Oh, yeah. Know, because they're, you know, they're able to unload so many copies of a book in these stores um, right. to guarantee getting more sales. Yeah. Um, so, and, and that's not even looking at the online landscape, which is yeah. a whole nother world. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Definitely. So, so, I think, well, I think that those are some of the good pros for traditional publishing and those are very very strong yeah i think some of the cons and one that relates really well to what you're talking about with the um distribution and the marketing of a book is a lot of times when a traditional publisher will um acquire the rights Mm. they take over creative control absolutely and that's so related to the marketing and the ability for them to sell the books, because if you put yourself in their shoes, they're not looking at it from, Oh, this is your creative baby that you've created. Yeah. They're looking at it from, huh? Okay. You've written this book about, I don't know, you know, X, Y, Z. How's this going to sell? You know, that's completely, they, they think with dollar signs. Exactly. Um, And I, I think one question you have to really a- ask yourself when you're trying to decide whether or not you want to go the traditional publishing route is, is, you know, how close do you hold your book to your bosom? Like, right. is it, is it your baby? Um, because if you do decide to go the traditional publishing route, you are giving up your rights. Definitely. Um, is, you know, do, do you care about that or are you more interested in what kind of deal you can offer? And I'm not saying that that's, if, if you're interested in the, in, in the deal, you're not a bad person. That's oh, fine. No, that's, no, there's, there's nothing no, wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. But just under I want you to know the motivations behind the the book that you've written. Like how what does this book mean to you? Is it yours and that you want it to be yours? Right. Because if it is, traditional publishing may not be the route you want to go. Very true. And I think that ties in also with um another con of traditional publishing. And I think we've all heard this, all of us who are writers or interested in writing is the notorious rejection letter. Oh my gosh. Um, yes. And, and there's gosh, so many famous stories of um, authors, uh, uh, you know, big name authors, people yes. who are amazing. J.K. Rawlings is one of them. Yes. He got rejected over and over again because people were probably, I mean, of course, we all know of Harry Potter now, but the yeah. people were probably freaked out. Like, you're writing about wizards? What? You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, right. Are we going to sell any of these or is yeah. it going to be some weird one-off? And and it's huge. And, and the real you just have to have a thick skin if you're going to go this route because, um, Getting rejected over and over again is not a sign that you are a bad writer. Exactly. You cannot, and and you have to remember all the people that came before you, like J.K. Rollins and people like Stephen King. Maybe you're the next J.K. Rollins, maybe you're not, I don't know. But if they had to go, if they had to pay the price, and they had to receive that many rejections and to build the legacy they have now, Mm -hmm. there's no reason that you wouldn't have to go through the same thing. Exactly. So um, you have to prepare yourself for that. And that comes back to something that you were talking about as far as intention. Mm-hmm. Because um, say we have two different authors. One of them, their intention is, uh, I want to be the next J.K. Rowling. I have this fantasy world I've created. And I want to be you know, uh, published by a traditional publisher. That's great. Yeah. That's their dream. 
if you have another author and let's say this person is a speaker and a coach and their dream is to get their book published, but they have a timeline, they have mm-hmm. a big presentation at the end of the year, they have a training class that they plan to present and the book would be a good way for them to market it. Yes. Traditional publishing may not be the best route for them to go because you can't guarantee when you're going to get published. If right. you will get published, right. you can't guarantee your content because it could potentially get changed Change. and you no longer own the rights. So you just have no control over that process at all. Exactly. And, and, and to put things in perspective, when you're looking at timelines with traditional publishers, um, you could uh, realistically, you could be looking at years because you've got there's a there's a there's the time you have that you have to submit your manuscript, right? And usually, it's a um, depending on the on on what they uh, require. Some of them require you to do a proposal. Some of them right. require someone will ask for part of the manuscript. So you know, this is one of the reasons why I suggested the writer's market because they'll break down kind of what each publisher requires. Yeah. Um, sometimes you have to have a literary agent, which is your go-between, which means True. you then have to go through the process of shopping a literary agent, which, mind you, is just as hard to find a good literary agent as it is to find a publisher. That is so true, and um, I think a lot of people don't know that. They don't. Yeah. They don't, and because a literary agent rejects you just as quickly as a publisher would, <laughs> yes. which is it's crazy because I just want you to be my agent. Yeah. You know? It's crazy. So, but, I mean, there's so many layers of the process and to get through those layers takes a lot of time. But if you have determined, I want to go this, I want to be the next JK Rollins. Well, I, you know, I, I'm I'm a firm believer that, you know, if you have a conviction and you believe that this is your path, that you follow that path, but you have to be willing to pay the price to get there. So if that's the way, the direction you want to go, you need to be willing to strap in for the long haul. Very true. Very true. And I think that leads pretty nicely to another point um, that's sort of a pro and a con Mm -hmm. about traditional publishing. And I think we can, we can bust a myth here. Yes. Yes. Which let's bust a myth, bust it. (laughs) Um, Which is uh, the book advance. Mm. And a lot of people don't know this. I didn't know this for a long time. Um, You'll hear about somebody who publishes a book. I want to say, I could be wrong about this, but I remember they said that Michelle Obama is publishing her book. And I want to say they offered her like a $2 million advance. Oh, wow. You hear of these big name people having a huge advance. (laughs) What you don't know is that advance, it's sort of like a, it's sort of like a bet. It's sort of like the publishing house is betting that you're going to sell so many copies of this book that they're going to pay you in advance of what you're planning, what they're expecting the book to make when it goes public. And I think what you have to, you need to pay attention to the wording. They're, they're, they're giving you an advance. It's not a salary. It's not a bonus. Um, It's an advance, which means it's an advance on the future sales of your book, which means let's, let's, let's do, let's say you get a $50,000 advance on your book. Well, well, the, 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 the challenge is most everyday authors, Michelle Obama, you know, that's great. Yeah. But let's, let's, let's take it down a peg to like <laughs> us normal everyday people. Right. And let's say you, 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 you went through all these hoops to get, um, recognized by a publisher and they want it, they want your book and they say, we're going to offer you a $50,000 advance. Well, most writers, what happens is they're doing a jig and like, oh, you yeah. know, dancing flips and like, Woo-hoo! Oh my God, I got $50,000. <laughs> 
They're so excited about the money right. that they don't realize the implications behind that. So the way this works is they're giving you $50,000. You get that $50,000. You do not earn a dime on your book until your book makes that money back for them. Exactly. Um, and so um, one of the things I, I like to compare um, the publishing industry too that a lot of a lot of people don't tend to to recognize is um, the music industry. Yeah, um, there have been so many stories of really well known artists out there that have gotten dubbed by the music industry. Um, one that comes to mind is one of my favorite um, um, all time groups, TLC. Everybody yes. knows TLC. Everybody also knows their story. Yeah, everybody also knows that they went bankrupt while they're I don't know, double, triple platinum album, um, Crazy Sexy Cool came out. Um, that album did crazy well. Mm-hmm. And they were mm-hmm. going bankrupt because they didn't have a solid um, hold on the contract that they wrote with their record company. And their record company's excuse was, we're recouping all these expenses. Um, you have to, um, you know... They're basically saying the money they, they, they've spent is more than what they need to pay out to you. Yeah. And there, there are countless stories of this that you hear in the record industry of people that have gotten burned. Well, it's you don't hear about it as much um, in the publishing industry because it's not as forefront. You right. know, people don't talk about it as much in popular culture. But there, the way the way things work in the publishing publishing industry is exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to pay attention to the contracts that you write because you can be in the very you could write a best selling book and be broke. Yes, if you have a bad contract and if you don't pay attention to what you're signing on to. So true. And I think a lot of people don't realize they that. Don't. So it's just smart. And and I think, again, we're, we're pro-traditional publishing in that we, we want people to go into it with their eyes open. Yes. And, absolutely. and you know, um, I, I think that's one of the things that people don't, don't usually know about. I, I think the biggest mistake people make be, is that, it's so hard to get recognized in that industry. Yes. When someone finally takes an interest in you, I think I think what happens is you get so excited about that interest because you've been working so hard, turning over so many stones to get someone to just say, just recognize me, just please, somebody just, you know, see that I have something good here. And so I think what happens is when someone does, mm-hmm. they you get so excited and so overjoyed that your judgment goes out the window. Yeah. You're just like, you know, okay, yes. Whatever you say, yes. Right. You know, right. and what I'm telling you is I know the process is arduous. I know it's long. I know by the time you get to the point that someone says, yes, you're tired, but you need to take a little bit more energy to make sure that this is for you. Because it may turn out that even if you've been laboring for two years to get a traditional publisher to pick you up Mm -hmm. and someone finally says yes, doesn't mean that that's the right one for you. Exactly. So true. Yeah. So, so so anything else you want to add to that? I think, I think that gives people a good gist of, you know, our, our goal is just to make sure that you know what you're getting into. Exactly. Either way. Nikita, it's time for 
gregarious goofballs. <laughs> We're such goofballs. Um, do you want to start us off, Kim? I will start us off. So I have a couple of stories where my car spoke to me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so the first time, the first time the car spoke to me, I was driving my husband's car and um, he has one of those cars that will connect to your Bluetooth. Okay. And so that way you can talk on the phone without having to, you know, push any buttons. Well, I didn't realize this would connect automatically when you get in the car. So I sat down to drive and all of a sudden this really deep voice says, waiting for Perry. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, who's Perry? And what, what, what's he waiting for? <laughs> so I told my husband about it and he said, um... It's saying waiting for pairing, like pairing with your Bluetooth. But no, check this out. Okay, so then a couple of weeks ago, I was going to a meeting and I gave a friend of mine a ride and I did, I turned the car on and it said, waiting for pairing. And she goes, who's pairing? <laughs> so I'm like, yes, it's, it's not, not just me. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh my God. So the second time the car spoke to me. Yes. My friend had used the Waze app. Have you ever used the Waze app on yes. your phone? Mm -hmm. It's great, little GPS. And back, um, I don't think they do this anymore, but they used to have a thing where you could put celebrity voices on to give you directions. And so, the, you know, the celebrity voice would come on and say, turn left, turn right. So she didn't tell me she had set up Waze in my car. Again, Bluetooth gets me. Oh, my gosh. And all of a sudden, I hear this very deep voice. It's Morgan Freeman's voice, and it says, Turn left. And so immediately, Morgan Freeman, I always associate his voice with God. So I'm like, <laughs> God just told us to turn left. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God. Yes, I will obey. <laughs> I will obey. <laughs> so those are the two times the car talked to oh me. My gosh. <laughs> Wow. Nikita, what do you have? <laughs> so, so my 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 story today is um not necessarily one of my scenarios, um, but it's it's a family scenario. Ah, okay. And so what you will learn is if you think I'm a goofball, it's because I have got it honest. Okay. So um so this is a childhood memory I have. Um, I can't, I don't remember how old I was, uh -huh. but we were, I believe we were in South Carolina. Okay. And, um, I was in the car with my aunts, um, and my grandmother and, um, we were driving to the graveyard. Who likes to go to graveyards? No. Like, uh, uh, especially as a kid. Creepy. Oh, yeah. Super okay. creepy. So, okay. Add insult to injury. And it was not October. It okay, was the summertime. Okay, okay. Add insult to injury. It was like, there was like a tornado warning. Oh, no. So it was getting darker and darker outside. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I kept telling them, I want to go home. <laughs> I don't like this. Uh -oh. And we're going to freaking graveyard. <laughs> so it's like getting so dark oh, and luminous no. outside. Yeah. And we go to this graveyard. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not getting out of the car. I'll go. <laughs> so I stay in the car. <laughs> and I think it was like, I don't know. There were 
looking for someone in our lineage, like our great great grandmother. Or yeah, something. yeah. Um, which I mean, I could care less. Could care yeah. Less about that. <laughs> yeah. So they're going there. It's by this point, I think it has started raining. But uh-huh. I'm, I'm telling you, it's like almost it's dark. Oh god, it's daytime. Yeah. yeah. Okay, and we're in a graveyard, and so, um. I think what had happened, so it started raining, the soil had gotten wet. Well, you know when they do um, uh, fresh burials right after someone, right after a funeral, right? So I think what, (laughs) I think there was one like behind like the grave where they were, where they were searching Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And so so my aunt, Uh her leg falls like through. No! No! It's raining! It's dark outside, and she goes, she goes, they're pulling me down there! Oh my god! Like a zombie apocalypse is happening or something! Oh, that's too funny! So, apparently, goofballs running my family! Oh, that is too funny! So this has been a really great episode. I think so. So let's uh, do a summary. Okay. Well, let's let's start with the pros. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, one of the reasons why you would want to go with traditional publishing is what? The prestige. Exactly. Um, people um, know a lot of the big name publishers. And even if you don't have a big name publisher, it's that being able to say, well, my publisher said this. You exactly. Know? Um, so um, the other things that we talked about is just... Um, they're large bu- budgets. Exactly. They have a lot of money behind them. They have a lot of influence. They have um, act- a lot of um, relationships with distributors, which gets you in the bookstores. Right. Um, that's very attractive. Oh, right? most definitely. Um, and uh, and then you also have a um, a whole team, a whole team working for you. Right. You know, and so, and yeah. It, if you're hands off and you you like, I wrote the book and I just need someone to handle everything else. Well, that's exactly what they do. Exactly. Right? Very true. Um, so Very let's, true. what about some of the cons, Kim? So um, I think the biggest con is that you give up creative control. You you sign over your rights to them. Um, again, it could be a plus if you don't want to have to handle it. But if this is your baby, yes, you that that could be a con. Absolutely. Sure. Um, and I think one of, one of the biggest things, um, in addition to the creative control is, is you, you get less residual payout. Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of people don't realize this. And I think it's because you don't, if you don't read much into what your contract says, you don't realize what you're getting. And we talked about how the, the, the notorious advance is really a pro and a con. Most definitely. It's, it's a pro because who's not excited about getting money up front? Oh, exactly. Um, But it is in fact an advance on the sales of your book. Right. And so until your book makes that money, you make no more money. Very true. Um, So you need to be very like aware of what that means. Oh, most definitely. Um, and you have to have thick skin. You have to realize that, um, the publishing companies are there to make money. They're not there to, you know, make people happy. That's <laughs> true. It's so, very true. You know, it's, it is a business. And so you have to have thick skin. You have to be prepared that you could be rejected a number of times. Absolutely. And just realize it's not you. It's it's, it's 
you may just not be the flavor of the month for this particular publishing company. Yeah. So, so if that's the route that you have chosen to go, um, don't let rejection be the thing that's going to stop you. Definitely. And um, one other thing is you don't have control over timelines. Nope. So, you know, you don't know if you're going to get picked up or not. If you're especially got your heart set on releasing a book by a certain date, that's not, not guaranteed at all. So, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So. Typically in a book, when you're looking at traditional publishing, you're looking at maybe a couple years process. Yeah, exactly. So fantastic. Well, awesome. great episode. Absolutely. We're Yay. glad to have been able to dispel some myths for you and give you some good um, information on traditional publishing. Absolutely. And thank you guys so much for listening. We appreciate you. Thank you, guys.